Welcome to This Kind of Rocks. I'm Nick, a.k.a. Punk Rock Nick, across the web. Today I'm joined by... My name is Grant McKee, and I own Bucket O' Blood Books and Records, which is where we are, 3182 North Elston. Great. And today the thing that kind of rocks is 80s hair metal. So Grant, what is 80s hair metal? Well, and I've put a lot of thought into this. Um, there's a narrow definition. There's a broader definition. Okay. Uh, the broader definition is, like all broad definitions, a little bit easier to deal with, mm-hmm. um, which would be like... In my opinion, just kind of any band that was loud, a rock and roll band mm-hmm. in the 80s, playing something that, you know, a lot of the times you couldn't call it metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that that kind of thing. So yeah. the, the more narrow definition would be kind of any band who's um, played that certain type of music, which we can definitely, we're definitely will get into later. Yeah. Um, but we're the look was more important than the actual sound. Okay. Um, The broader definition for me would include bands that maybe would be more quote unquote legit. Mm -hmm. So bands like Guns N' Roses or Wasp or something like that. Okay. Whereas like, I personally would have a hard time lumping them in with like a hair metal band like Poison. Okay. So, um, when did you start like listening to hair metal? Like why, like this is the thing that rocks for you. When was it like, yes, this is the thing that rocks. Uh, so the first time I really encountered anything like that would have been, um, probably the summer or fall of 87. Okay. Uh, so my family had just moved and we got this thing that kind of blew my mind that I had no idea existed. I mean, I was seven years old at the time, so there were a lot of things I didn't know existed, but this one thing that we got that blew my mind that I didn't know existed, cable TV. Whoa. And one thing's in cable TV was MTV. Mm-hmm. And MTV was music television, and they showed music videos. And occasionally they had shows that were focused on these music videos, such as a top countdown for the week or uh, something where it would be like a live concert broadcast. But it was about the music. What a so, strange concept. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, antiquated. Um, so I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he and I would spend our times... Um, not during the school week, of course, because we had rules, yeah. but weekends, summertime, um, watching television, and we watched a lot of the MTV, and, you know, at seven years old, that's when you're getting exposed to a lot of music for the yeah. first time, so, you know, some of the stuff I remember was definitely not what we're going to be talking about, yeah. things like, you know, Debbie Gibson, Madonna, yeah. uh, Weird Al, <laughs> um, but the two bands that, that really stuck out to me that he and I both kind of gravitated towards were and and these guys were in heavy heavy rotation on MTV mm-hmm. uh Guns N' Roses and Def Leppard. Okay. Okay. So when I think of like MTV and hair metal, like my immediate thought goes to D Snyder and Twisted Sister. Yeah. They do they fit into the broader they fit into the broader definition, but do they fit into your narrow definition as well? That's that's a tough call. Um mm-hmm. they do in some respects because of the um, effort towards cultivating a certain look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you take a quick glance at them and, and they could easily kind of fit in with um, how you might view a band like Poison or certainly a band like Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit tougher because they were around for a long time mm-hmm. and, like, they didn't really enter the public consciousness for so long that really when they started, they mm-hmm. kind of patterned themselves after, stylistically, mm-hmm. uh, the New York Dolls. Okay. Who no one would ever call yeah. a hair metal band. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, for, for purposes of, of discussion, I would totally want them in with that. Okay. 
Um, when you were growing up with these with hair metal, um, what was like? What was the band that's like? You guys got to listen to this band. Like this is the best thing ever for you. At the time, yeah. Or now, both. <laughs> um, at the time, honestly, I I really liked Poison. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked their their image. It was. Um, and it's kind of weird watching these bands at seven or eight because so much of the music is, is just sexually charged and party charged. And that's not entering yeah. anywhere into my realm of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But Poison seemed a little bit more fun and accessible for a kid. Okay. Um, Def Leppard to some extent, too. You know, like Guns N' Roses, I loved their, like, their image. Like, they're, they're these tough guys. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there wasn't anything in the music that an eight-year-old kid could identify with okay um so you know when i was younger i would i would definitely say poison followed by def leppard were kind of like the ones where i'm like oh this is just fun music this is something i can enjoy yeah so uh, what about now like it's still poison and def leppard no no (laughs) um i mean i still love def leppard yeah they're they're like they're another one that's kind of interesting because you go back to the origins and they're basically like a pub rock band and in some definitions, they they definitely got more commercial a whole lot faster, mm-hmm. but they kind of came up from from sort of the same well water as bands like Iron Maiden. Yeah, uh, you know they were around at the same time, way younger. That's another thing that people don't think about with Def mm-hmm. Leppard is that when they started, they're all like between fourteen and seventeen years old. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's like, and you see them on tour now, and you're like, you know, these guys have been doing it a long time, but they're still ten years younger than anybody else that was like popular at the time yeah but um so i obviously since we're talking about it i do still listen to this music there's a lot of newer bands kind of emulating that style okay and i'm not super into most of them but i do still dig a lot of the classics so i still love motley Crue. Mm-hmm. Uh, i love rat and like i said earlier not necessarily a band that fits into the narrow definition mm-hmm. but wasp is is great they had a little bit more of that um kind of sinister look to them they okay. sort of patterned themselves after kiss i think okay but in a much darker way like if if kiss actually stand stood for knights and satan service like yeah. all the moms wanted you to believe in 1978 <laughs> they would have been lost oh <laughs> oh man yes <laughs> so um we've kind of touched on this but there's kind of like a genealogy for these bands like um twisted sisters like patterning themselves out the new york dolls uh wasp is kiss but darker yeah uh what do you think is like a common like ancestor for hair metal so you look at some of the rock and roll bands that are around like 10 years before even Mm -hmm. like five five to ten years before Mm -hmm. um sort of these hard rock bands that really came from the rolling stones and then led zeppelin okay so a lot of the hair metal bands i think kind of came from the bands that patterned themselves after rolling stones and led zeppelin so i would say that that Probably the crux of it would be um, Aerosmith and ACDC. And to a lesser extent, because they were contemporaries, even though they sort of shot out onto the scene a year or two earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, Van Halen. Yeah. Um, So when I think about... So is there a difference between hair metal and glam metal? Or is there kind of just like conflating terms? There's a lot of conflating terms. And there's also a lot of overlap. Mm -hmm. Um you know, glam metal came out of glam rock, okay. which is stuff like Gary Glitter and T-Rex, okay. where it's got that um, sort of more polished appeal to it. Okay. Um, 
glam metal and hair metal is, is a little bit more it's not going to be as squeaky clean like okay. there's there's definitely some like swagger going on with bands like t-rex yeah but um you know they would sing about like seducing a girl in the backseat of a car whereas motley Crue's just like they have a song that's literally a list of all their favorite strip clubs you know like there's there's no pretense which is part of uh, a large part of why I would cite ACDC as a direct influence. Yeah. Lyrically, certainly, because they were, you know, I, I read somewhere at some point that people talk about bands that have a lot of double entendres, and ACDC just had single entendres. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they are they are meat and potatoes straight to the bone. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, um, somebody was talking to me about it. It's like, they've written the same song three times for the past 40 years. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the best songs. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it, it works for them. Yeah. Um, so I was reading an article recently about music and memory, like to the effect that like people, in, like boomers and and later generation, time is weird. So people older than boomers, yeah, <laughs> uh, like suffering from dementia and stuff, they, uh, music plays like a very big part in our memory. And when they hear like songs from their youth, they like kind of light up and stuff. And this article was talking about just kind of how like you know what, like, songs from our youth that, like, we probably could, like, most people outside of our generation would consider trash, like, will animate us. Do you feel like there's a song in hair metal that would be like, yeah, if I heard that, like, when I'm 60, 80, and I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, no, this is great, this is awesome, you guys gotta listen to this. Uh, yeah, um, top of my head, I'd probably go with Skid Row, Youth Gone Wild, Mm -hmm. just because it's such a fist-pumping anthem, and, like, I don't. No matter how old you are, you kind of want to feel like you're a youth going wild. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um. But I thought about similar things to to what you just said, mm-hmm. and I, I've I, I probably read, if not that same article, a similar one, mm-hmm. and it, it definitely talked about how um, music from our youth, specifically our teen years, still mm-hmm. resonates with us. Yeah. And what's interesting is that being my age. The, the music that I listened to in my teenage years was was 90s grunge and alternative rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's just a reflection of the time that we're in now, mm-hmm. but the last thing I want to listen to is depressing mopey music. Yeah. So I don't know if that subconsciously is why I go back an extra, you know, five, six, seven years into yeah. something that's a little bit more escapism. Yeah. Um the article I was reading was like thinking about like like um, Lincoln Park and System of a Down was their like kind of touchstone for that. Um, so I feel like there is like this gap in there where it's like, man, everything's just kind of sad. But then you have like the new metal scene, which is where I where I kind of like was getting my teenage influences, yeah. and it's just kind of like like it's like lyrically it's sad, but also like there's there's just a lot of energy. Yeah, but. Um, we talked kind of about the music for a second and just what musically makes a hair metal band. Like, like obviously it's a rock and roll band, but what beyond that? It's, it's not just like, uh, it's not just guitar, drums, bass, and vocals. It's very much an attitude. It's very much, uh, a list of strip clubs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the music is, I don't think anybody would accuse any of these bands of being particularly musically innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly some artists that perform in the genre that 
are either sort of playing beneath their level mm-hmm. or have just sort of emerged as being um, examples of more musically well-rounded or just more proficient. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it, <laughs> it sometimes sounds dumb to say these things, but like the, the fact of the matter is Tommy Lee is a hell of a drummer. Yeah. Like Molly Crew is not the best music. It's not the smartest music. It's yeah. not the most challenging music, but he knows how to play drums. Yeah. Um, Nikki six is a, an above average bass player. I mean, you can sort of look at the equation of like, if you're in a band and you're on a major label and yeah. you're successfully touring, odds are you're pretty good at what you do. Yeah. You're, you're, um, you're at least competent. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, <laughs> you would think. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're selling multiple millions of records. Like people are putting a lot of faith in you. Yeah. And, uh, like you're, you're probably a pretty all right musician or, you know, how to fake it well enough to like think, make people think you're a pretty all right musician. Yeah, totally. Um, um but the music, I mean, it's basically just like a third or fourth dilution of basic blues rock. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the difference comes in in the lyrical content where it's that, um, you know, hypercharged sex and party attitude. I mean, Led Zeppelin had that when they weren't singing about hobbits. Um, and don't get me wrong, their songs about hobbits are some of their better songs. Yeah. Um, and then there's also sort of the requisite every, you know, no more than one out of every six songs it can be a power ballad yeah you know a lot of these bands would do one or two on a record and it's it's that it it was i think for a large part Mm -hmm. sort of a market-driven thing where it's like yeah you know the guys are gonna buy this record how do we get the girls to buy it too yeah definitely like um uh i was like also, I had cable as as a kid, and one thing my brother and I used to watch was VH1, and they had like the I love the seventies, eighties, and nineties. They did a lot on the nineties, and yeah. I remember before I left home, they were doing ones on the two thousands. <laughs> but that's, that's too recent, man. That's <laughs> weird. whoa. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's a little too close to home. Yeah, but um, I think it was D. Snyder was talking about uh, how every hair metal band had two singles: the hard single and then the power ballad. Yeah. Uh, and you know you could look at it logically as sort of you know covering your bases yeah it's like if the one doesn't work maybe the other one will and there's there's certainly a lot of the bands that not necessarily the biggest bands in the genre but um look at bands like uh extreme or white lion that really Mm -hmm. broke out on the strength of a ballad of of a softer single yeah um versus somebody like twisted sister where it was um, you know, very much the, mo- the more hard rocking song. Yeah. Um, I'm going to express, expose my ignorance here. I've never listened to like a uh, Motley Crue record or a Death Leopard record all the way through. I can't say you're missing out on a lot, to okay. be honest. Okay. Because <laughs> just kind of like thinking through like how the singles are structured, you know, hard, soft, yeah. hard, soft. Like on an album, does that like, is that like a very jarring thing? Like going from like, like, um, God, I can't. <laughs> Not really. I mean, Part of it was it, it, it tended to be fairly formulaic. Mm-hmm. Um, so if a band had one ballad, it was typically about halfway to two-thirds of the way through. Um, if they had two, there'd be one like about a third of the way through, then one towards the end. Okay. I mean, it's it's sort of like, it seems like for years, every thrash metal band with like the second to last song was an instrumental. Okay. It's, it's, it sort of falls into this um, formula. Mm-hmm. And I think also just, um, 
you're sort of set up to expect it okay knowing the genre okay so it's it's one of those things it's almost like watching a horror movie you know that jump scare is gonna happen yeah you know okay this song was heavy this song was heavy this song was fast maybe the next song will be the ballad oh nope this one's another fast one the next one's probably going to be the ballad and then sure enough there it is yeah okay so um do you do you feel like it is very much or like you said it was market driven do you also think like they they obviously were listening to to each other yeah so it was like like um miley crew did this and it's like oh that sounds pretty cool like let me play around with it and then I'll put it on to, to, the, to the next Def Leppard record and vice versa and yeah. vice versa it becomes a very uh, insular ecosystem yeah and there's also a lot of hyper competitiveness mm-hmm. that went along with that um, ultimately the, the the goal for a lot of these bands was success financial yeah. success um, you know women money and power um, so if something was working really well for one band you know another band would try to rip that off or mm-hmm. You know, one band tours in a jet, another band wants to tour in a bigger jet. Yeah. What's the craziest story you've ever heard about a hair metal band? Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot. Um, there's like some of the, the most famous ones um, center around Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wrote a, uh, they call it an autobiography. Um, you know, it's, you don't know how much of it is truth. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's also some ghost writing involved because writing a book is probably different than writing a song. Yeah. Um, but they have they have some of the the wilder stories. But their their book, The Dirt, really just um, it has it all, kind of warts and all. Mm-hmm. They had some some interesting stories when they toured with um, Ozzy, mm-hmm. who you know certainly I wouldn't lump in with the the genre. Yeah. Um, he had some leanings towards that in the '80s probably just looking for that commercial appeal yeah um but they had like I, i'm probably misremembering some of these stories but they, they had like competitions for like basically who could do the most cocaine um at one point they were on tour and and, and again i may be getting some of the details wrong i know at one point somebody drank somebody else's urine and somebody snorted a line of ants that were walking along like a, a sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Um, just decided to snort them up like, um, like, like a, yeah, like a rail of coke. Because you know, <laughs> when in Rome, yeah, or yeah. you know, when probably high on your ass, Sunset Strip, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like growing up, like listening to this music. Um, was there like any place that you like? It's like, man, if I was there at this time, like that would be like the best thing ever like you know being on sunset strip like when these bands were playing or just somewhere else i don't think so i mean part of it's and and this is part of the appeal of it to me is is this sense of fantasy and the sense of escapism Mm -hmm. i'm i'm not a drug guy Mm -hmm. i'm not the guy that's like trying to go out and and have sex with every woman on the planet Mm -hmm. um I think it's interesting to to listen to to people expressing those kind of things, because mm-hmm. um, I mean it, it is fun, even though it you know definitely borders on misogynistic and, and sexism, and and you know it's one of those the many many things that the lens of history has um, not been particularly kind to. Mm-hmm. There are like you know the the, the bands that I liked, um, 
it would be interesting to to have been able to see them when they were starting out when they weren't basically like touring on like a greatest hits package mm-hmm. and when they were playing smaller clubs you know the appeal yeah. of a concert is always like capturing that that moment of seeing a band in a small club yeah and i've seen i haven't seen a ton of hair metal bands because i mean the the ones that a lot of them don't exist anymore the yeah. ones that do like i mean they're they are basically touring on like a greatest hits package yeah i've seen guns and roses and motley Crue, but it's at you know massive stadium venues and it'd be cool to see him at like a club a Mm -hmm. 600 capacity club yeah that would be really cool yeah like um yeah just this idea of fantasy really i feel like also plays a big role in kind of the the music like especially in hair metal but also into like um like youth and stuff like when i was growing up and kind of like getting into music too like um and getting into punk rock and metal and that kind of stuff like cbgb's was kind of like this fantastical place for sure um and then it kind of disappeared <laughs> yeah and then now it's really sad yeah it's it is john varvato's show yeah but i have a nice mural across the street though of debbie harry okay i so. will <laughs> i'm, I'm heading to new york soon. chance <laughs> i'm heading to new york soon so i may actually make that yeah. stop yeah um but like as you grew older and you kind of like like the the fantasy kind of lost its shine like what is like the big like not the biggest shock but what was something that was like man i can't believe like that was like that was that bad or that was like that messed up kind of thing um i don't know i'm trying to so you're asking like what (laughs) what's your biggest disappointment with hair metal (laughs) oh um (laughs) no uh like like was there something that i go back and listen to and i'm like that's actually not cool. Yeah, like for me, it's um, mindless self-indulgence. Yeah, um, like they do have some good songs. Yeah, like but uh, it's it's MySpace scene edge lord shit. No, like the stuff where you like cringe when you're. Yeah, it's like or just looking at it, it's like why did I ever think this was cool? I don't know. Like, I mean, to be fair, I don't tend to like. I, I don't really listen to it a lot with other people. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, I don't know if it's like an embarrassment thing or if it's just like, I, I figure that other people don't care enough. Yeah. Um, I did at a job I used to have, um, I work alone in the retail store and I'm like, oh, yeah, you can play whatever you want. And I was, I was listening to winger one time, mm-hmm. not one of the better bands. Yeah. Um, but this guy was like, do you have to listen to this shit? <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, man, somebody else put this on. <laughs> You know, it's like a it, little part of me kind of died to say that, but I was like, yeah. And then, of course, he left, and I'm like, hey, you know, s- screw off, man. Like, yeah. play your rocks. You're here for 30 seconds. Like, yeah. I'm here all day. I can kind of do what I want. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing like, I don't know. There, there is a, a heavy cheese factor to it. Yeah. Um, whether that's good or I mean, the, it's it's kind of the same thing as people that love Godzilla movies. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely it. It's it is very much like this is. It doesn't matter if you like it; it matters that I like it. Yeah, and um, if you were to like tell if somebody was like, "Hey, I'm kind of interested in this," where would you tell them to start with hair metal? I would probably start with Motley Crue, mm-hmm. just because they were sort of the 
they weren't the most musically gifted, mm-hmm. but they sort of had it all. Like they had the ballads, they had the the hard rocking songs, they had the image, they had the lifestyle. Um, they were sort of like, you know, the poster children for the whole thing. Um, Poison is another good example. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, primarily because of the imagery. Um, I, I, you know, I, as far as musical quality, I really like some of the kind of B-level bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Rat. I love Kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, they all had horrible names. <laughs> um, Trickster has some remarkably good songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's necessarily like a bad place to start because I, I, I kind of feel like, like when I there's a band that's been around a long time that I'm not familiar with, mm-hmm. and I want to investigate them, I tend to go for like, you know, like first album, last album, and mm-hmm. then like whatever their best reviewed one is, because you okay. kind of want to get like a, a a feel for the broad spectrum of it. And a lot of these bands, a lot of these hair metal bands, you know, they put out like two or three records. It was mm-hmm. it was a fairly short lived um, thing as far as mainstream success okay well i feel like that's a good place to stop again i am nick aka punk rock nick across the web and i'm talking to grant grant and we are recording live at bucket of blood in avondale in chicago so thank you so much grant thank you this has been a production of shy people media collaboration community content Find us online at shypeoplemedia.com, C-H-I-P-P-L-media.com, or around the web at shypeoplemedia, C-H-I-P-P-L-media. Thank you for listening.